Good morning, church. It is good to see you, and uh, we're excited about this Advent time. We're going to continue on with our uh, Advent lessons, but before we do that, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention, a couple of upcoming events. Uh, next week, we will have lunch here after worship. We'll be at the tables again, and we will have uh, all different kinds of soup that people are making. We will have grilled cheese for the kids. Uh, if you're willing to spend an extra few bucks, you might be able to talk them into giving you a grilled cheese if you're an adult. But we will have that available here. And then we're going to have a little program from the youth and the children are going to be putting that on here. So uh, I believe there's some songs that the youth uh, children's ministry will get to you. We would love to have the kids come up during this time afterwards. They'll sing some Christmas songs. You never know what's going to happen with that. We love that. Uh, the messiness of that and the unpredictability of what will happen having the kids up. Uh, doing some singing there will be part of another program so we hope that you stay uh come get some soup hang around uh, and we'll spend this time together in fellowship this is such a great time of year for us to be able to do that uh, i want to mention one other thing uh this sunday or this year christmas is on a sunday so uh we will be meeting here on christmas morning for a little bit but we're trying to get an idea of what we need to prepare for how many people we're talking about? Do we need to have the whole room open? Do we need to kind of pare it down a little bit? So what we'd like to ask you to do is if you can, look in your bulletin today. There's a place for you to do a QR code and fill out a little form. We just want to know, are you planning on being here? Do you have other plans? You're going to be out of town. We're not going to hold you to it. Um, but we would like, if you could, to give us, you know, this is our best shot, 80% we think will be here, so that we can best prepare uh, for what will be happening that Christmas morning. So if you would, please fill that out, one person per family, and we would love to have that. So it gives us an opportunity to get things uh, prepared and to have a, a meaningful service that morning. Um, we, as a church body, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn, and this morning we get to rejoice with those who rejoice. There's one thing uh, that it talks about in Scripture that the angels in heaven rejoice over, and that's when one comes to Christ and uh, puts him on in baptism. And so Shannon Robbins, right back there, would you stand up, Shannon? There you go, was baptized this week. And uh, we're just, we're so happy for you, Shannon, and we rejoice with you and with the angels in heaven uh, that you have clothed yourself in Christ. And we want you to just remember who you are now, who God says that you are. The old Shannon is gone, the new Shannon is here. And we want you to live into that. We're so proud and happy for you. Thank you for, for that. And as has been our custom here, if we can, we want to pray um, for some of the other churches and congregations that are here in this town that are also spreading the, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a good reminder to us that we are part of a giant kingdom of God. Amen. And that this is not about KCC getting glory. This is about Jesus getting glory. And so those that are out there preaching the good news about Jesus Christ, who bend their knee towards our Lord, who claim him as uh, their Savior in the same way that we do, we want them to be strong. We want them to be faithful. We want them to be preaching that word, and we're glad that we all belong together. And I got to spend a little time at the uh, uh, Minister's Alliance lunch again this past week and got to meet somebody new. So Ryan Huff is somebody that sat next to me at lunch, and I got to talk to him for a little while. He's at Real Life Fellowship. So if you would... Uh, let's bow together and pray for the kingdom here in Kerrville. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we ask that uh, you would bless the kingdom of God that is here in this town. And uh, we're, we're 
so thankful for how expansive it is. We're thankful for all the people who claim you as the Lord. We're thankful for all the people who spread the, tr the truth of Jesus Christ in this world. Lord, we know that uh, your son, before he was crucified, prayed that we would all be one in the same way that you and he are one. And so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that we can all say that we're covered by the same blood, uh, that we all worship the same Lord and King, that we all believe in the empty tomb, and that we all have a desire to reach those here in this city uh, with the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask right now that you be with Real Life Fellowship in particular. Lord, let that church be a place of great love among each other and a place that shows love to the rest of the city. Uh, ask that you be with Ryan Huff in particular as he uh, does his best to serve that place and to try and lead that place. And that you would, uh, that you would hold him close to you, he and his wife and his kids, uh, that they would be a blessing to that place and that that congregation would uh, also be a blessing to him and his family. Lord, let us reach people in this town with the good news of Jesus Christ. Give us opportunities to do that, and it is in the name of Jesus that we ask all of this. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're continuing our series, our Advent series, and uh, mentioned this last week, but if, if you're like me, you didn't grow up uh, doing Advent series. That was not part of the deal, but it, I like the idea that we could all be looking at this anticipation. The Advent just means the looking forward to the, the anticipation of the arrival of Christ. And so while we have people who are believers all over the world doing this, we get to join in with that. And that is a wonderful thing uh, because I believe there's strength in our focus all being on the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. At time when the, the uh, veil between heaven and earth was ripped open, and God himself came in the flesh and entered into this world to be with us and to live in this place with us. It is a good thing for us to put our focus on that. And so we're going to continue with that. Uh, this time that, that we talk about is about this arrival that he did have, but we're also in anticipation and we're in advent of the time that he will return. So we've got this happened before and will happen again time that we're living in between, between these promises that those of us who are believers have experienced that we've been redeemed and that we've been forgiven and that we've been called his. And at the same time, we look forward to the complete fulfillment of that when Christ comes again and this whole earth is redeemed and the whole earth is reconciled. All things are brought back to where they're supposed to be under the lordship of Christ. And so we live in this place in the in-between. And that's where faith is. Faith is in that spot between the promises that are made and them being completely fulfilled. That's where we have our hope, and that's where we find our peace. That's where we get our joy, and that's what drives our love. And so that's what we will be talking about. And this is where our hope lies. And it's more than just a wish for us, but it's something that we as believers have seen and we've experienced. We've experienced what comes through Christ and belonging to him. And we can't wait for the day where this will overcome the whole entire earth. Amen. So today we continue and we'll be talking about peace today. And I want to talk to you just about what we mean by peace. Because it's not what we normally think. It's not just the absence of war. When you hear the world oftentimes talk about peace, it's the absence of war. It's the absence of violence. It's more than that. And if you're a parent, you know that. As soon as you had more than one kid, you started fighting for peace. Peace in the household, right? And there were a couple of different ways that you did that if you were like me. One is you would separate them. When they got to fighting with each other, you separate them. You go to your room and you go to the other room. 
trying to make peace. That doesn't really make peace. That just separates the two warring parties, right? I mean, when they'll come out, they'll go right back after it. Who borrowed whose clothes? I have daughters. It's who borrowed whose clothes without asking, that sort of thing. They'll go right back after that. The other option is, I don't know, I had a a, a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law who had a different way of doing it. They had the get-along shirt. Do you know the get-along shirt? Uh, if you haven't seen that before, I'll tell you what a get-along shirt is. is it's, it's a large adult-sized shirt, and it says get-along shirt on it. And he would take both their kids, and then they put the shirt over both of them to where they're stuck together. And so they had this, it's kind of forcing a hug. And so what you have is this get-along shirt where, hey, we're going to force you to get together. And usually they both just sit there and cry, or they're punching each other under the shirt, or they're stretching the shirt out trying to get away, right? It's this search for peace in the family. And the get-along shirt doesn't work either. Because that's not the peace that we're talking about. We're not just talking about this absence of fighting, and we're not just talking about the absence of violence. We're not talking about getting rid of something. We're talking about going to something. The peace that Christ brings is about more than just the absence. It's about a completeness in this world. It's about wholeness. It's about harmony between us and our God and each other. And that this world will someday have this peace, this shalom that God talks about. That's where rest comes from. That's what we pray for. That's what we hope for. And that's what we've experienced in some ways. You have Jesus who's called the Prince of Peace. And that's what we desire is for that reign to happen here on this earth in a world that desperately needs it. But peace is not something that you just find, and it's not something that you fall into. The way that we talk about it a lot of times here on this earth is you want to find peace, and there's inner peace, and you kind of stumble into peace. And that's not the way that it works. When we're talking about Christ, what we're talking about is somebody bringing peace. He brought it to us. He came to make peace. It wasn't something that he found. He actually made it. And here's the thing about the peace that we're talking about. It's costly. It took a lot for him to come and bring the peace that he has. And it continues in that way. Bringing peace to this world is costly, and it's messy. Sometimes it's chaotic and even dangerous. But that's what it took for our Jesus to bring that peace. And we want to talk about that a little bit, about making that peace and bringing that peace. And if we can, I'd like to talk about it in particular around uh, the character of Joseph, the father of Jesus. You see, when they came and uh, Jesus came and he arrived and there was that message that that peace on earth and goodwill toward men, it didn't come the same for everybody. You need to know you have these uh, shepherds and they were announced to it by angels. Angels came and said, you know, we bring you good news of great joy. There will be peace on earth. And the shepherds reacted because they had heard from the angels and they were like, this is great. They rejoiced in that. That's not the way it came to Joseph, the news of that. You had Mary. She first heard it through the angel as well. The angel came to them, and he started off, Greetings to you who are highly favored. That's a great way to start. If you're going to talk to an angel, I'll tell you, that's a good way to start. The angel comes in and says, You who are highly favored. That's good. It was some tough news. You're going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's tough news. That's a little hard. It's a little different. It's going to change everything. But she was hearing that also from the host of heaven, from the angels. Joseph didn't hear it first from the angels. That's not how this good news of the arrival of the Prince of Peace came to him. Instead, 
It came from Mary herself, it appears. Because it says, his mother Mary, this is Jesus' mother Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That has got to be the greatest understatement in the history of the world. You have a father, going to be a father, and said, but before the child came, before they even got married, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. doesn't say what that conversation looked like. It doesn't say how that went. doesn't say the emotions that are around that. But that has got to be a very difficult conversation for an engaged man to be able to hear. Now, don't get me wrong. I know this was difficult for Mary, too. Mary's the one that carried the child. She's the one that went through the morning sickness. She was the one that, that carried the baby and was pregnant for the whole time. I am not making light of that. But one of the things I am saying is for Joseph, the first word of this did not come through an angelic host. The first word of this came from his partner, the one he was betrothed to, for him to find out that this is what had happened. Already betrothed, you need to understand, is a big deal. That's not just engaged. We just... I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, we just had an engagement in our family. My daughter just got engaged. And the engagement that they're talking about is not the same as being betrothed during this time. Being betrothed during that time was essentially the same as being married. It was almost a legal uh, binding relationship in some way. It meant that they were married in every single way there was, except through the physical act of actually coming to the house together, living together, and consummating the marriage. So it was much more of a connection than what we talk about now is just being engaged. During this time of betrothal, you need to understand, this is the time where what would have happened was Joseph has been in his father's house preparing a place, as it talked about, preparing a place there so that he could go get his wife and he would have her join him at that place. He's building on to the house that's already there. He's building on to that property. He's waiting for the time where his father will say, Joseph, it's time, it's ready, it's finished. You can go get your bride. That's what he's waiting for. This great anticipation, this advent that Joseph is in right now. He can't wait for this opportunity. He can't wait for word from the father to where he gets to go get his bride. And when that happens, see, the way that that's supposed to work out is it doesn't matter if it's day or if it's night or whatever happens. The bride-to-be is supposed to be ready. And with their maidservants, they're supposed to be ready And so when he gets the word, they will come and they'll walk through the town and he'll go get Mary and he will take her and then there will be this great celebration and she will come to his house. And that's not happening now. That's kind of all out the window. Now he's got to go back to his father after getting this word and he's got to tell him. I've I've been building on it, but here's the deal. She's pregnant and it's not me. And as far as he knows from that point, it's a betrayal of some sort. He's been unfaithful as far as he knows. And so he's been betrayed. Maybe now she's lying about it. How do I go back to my father and tell him that if I'm Joseph? How do I go back and say these plans that have been made and what's been going, what I've built here, I don't know what we're going to do with this because I'm not going to get her and I'm not going to be bringing her back. This is anything but a peaceful time for Joseph. Peace is entering the world. There's great news of it, but Joseph's the one going, this is chaos. I've been devastated in every way. This is not a peaceful time for him. And you need to understand the way Scripture talks about it. He's a righteous man. 
And that doesn't just mean he was perfect. We look at righteous sometimes and we go, well, that was perfect. And, and it wasn't that, but it was a guy who was faithful. Joseph's faithful to the law. He lived out that way. His desire was to follow the will of God, to keep the customs, to remain clean, to follow the Jewish law in every way. And so this is a righteous man. He's full of faith. And so he has a desire to not divorce her publicly. He doesn't want her to be the focus of ridicule and mocking and gossip and maybe even violence that would come her way if he were to just announce, here's the deal. She cheated. She's pregnant. It's not mine. But you have Joseph immediately being someone who's trying to make peace. Trying to make peace with a difficult situation. Did he have every right to do that? I suppose. But instead of that, as he considered it, his heart softened. And instead of that, he made a peace to say, I'm going to do this quietly. I don't want her to be hurt by this. I don't want her to suffer this ridicule. It's costly. Making that peace is costly. It costs him. He's going to have to sacrifice. You want to know what cost comes to him in this situation before he even knows what's going on? For this peace to come and enter the world. This is what it cost Joseph to start with. One is his reputation and his friends. The reputation's going to be different. He was a guy who was a righteous man. He was probably known for that. Joseph's the guy who does the right thing. He follows the rules. And now all of a sudden he's saying that she's pregnant. He's saying it's not him. We don't know if we can believe that. We don't know if that's true. So his reputation is going to be hit by this. So is hers. Would he be, still be known as a righteous man after this? Would the gossip that goes around now be that, yeah, Joseph's not as righteous as he wants everybody to think he is? Maybe his reputation changes. You know, it's interesting. Later in the story of Jesus' life, when he comes back to Nazareth, there's one scripture where it talks about where they even say, isn't this Mary's son? Now, that's not the way that Jewish people would normally talk about somebody. They would usually use the father's name. Now, I don't know if that's a dig I don't know if that's the idea of people being there and going, yeah, it wasn't Joseph's son, it's Mary's son. I don't know. I don't know if that's part of what was happening there. I don't know if that's another dig. I don't know if what happened throughout the village was the idea of him going, it was never his son. We all know that. His marital status changed. You need to know his uh, relationship status on a social networking page changed. From betrothed to Not. And you need to know, while it talks about that he was going to divorce her quietly, there's no quietly. Everybody's going to know. They were getting married. Now they're not getting married. He was building onto the house. He's not anymore. Something has occurred. Something's changed, and he is no longer there. Can't take her to his parents' house anymore. That's changed. He's had to explain it to them. And that betrothal is so serious that he actually would have to give her a certificate of divorce to stop the betrothal. So things have changed quite a bit. The other thing that's changed is this plan. He has it in his head. I know right now, like I said, I'm, oh my goodness, I got a daughter who's engaged. Plans? Oh, plans and money, right? We're going through this. We're, right now, we're trying to figure all of this out. Where? When? Who's going to do it? What are you going to eat? What are the songs the DJ is going to play? All of those things. There's all these plans. And a lot of them come from when you were a child. And I'm sure it's the same way. Joseph had been to weddings. He knows what they look like. He's imagined what it's going to be for him and Mary. 
And all those plans have changed. And don't forget, Joseph is, they say carpenter, but is it tecton is actually the Greek word. And it could mean probably that he dealt with stone masonry more than actually carpentry. There wasn't as much wood, and so he probably worked through stone in a lot of ways. But let me tell you, if there's one thing that I know about people who work through stone, work through wood, who are builders, right? Uh, Dustin, he would know about this. Some of the rest of you that work in it, you have a blueprint. You got a plan, right? You don't go forward without a plan. I imagine Joseph was the same way. I don't go forward without a plan, and this was not the plan. Plan's out the window, man. Everything's changed in every way. It's this, it, this illusion we all have of control is now gone. And then, of course, there's the wedding celebration itself. There will be no wedding, like is talked about later in Cana, when Jesus goes and turns the water to wine, and they stay for days, and there's the, there's the uh, head of the wedding, and there's all the people celebrating in the family. That's not going to happen. None of that's going to happen anymore. And all of that's out the window. And, you know, we got to talking about this. You know, even through all of this, you got to wonder what in the world Joseph is thinking as all of this happens. And even afterwards, when he does go ahead and go through this, we were talking the other day, uh, uh, Ricky mentioned in staff meetings to go, you know, it's not like this guy had a lot of examples for good fathers, right? Torah, the Old Testament, doesn't have a lot of examples of how to be a good father. You start with Adam and you go, no, no, that, that wasn't really good. Uh, he got them uh, kicked out of their home, and then one of them killed the other one. That wasn't really a, a good father there. You got Noah, mm-mm. Abraham, no, he abandoned his first child. You have Isaac, what went on with his two sons, not a really good example. Jacob's not a really good example. Jesse, he forgot that he had a son who was out shepherding. That's really not very good. You got David, mm-mm. Solomon, no, right? I mean, there's really not much of a good example in the Old Testament of what a father's supposed to be anyway. There's not a lot of lessons in there about that. I I heard somebody talking about the chaos that must have been going through Joseph's life. Like I said, here he is about to be the father of the Prince of Peace who's coming to life. His life in no way resembles any sort of peace. Kyle Eidelman is is a pastor I heard talk one time, and he he took Joseph's life at that time and then put it through... Uh, what's called uh, life change units. Have you ever heard about that? There's a stress test that you can do. What you do is you go look at the things that are going on in your life and you check them off and each one's worth so many points. Like uh, if you've recently moved, it's 30 points. And if you're about to welcome a child, it's 60 points. And if you change jobs, it's 70 points. And if you lost your job, then it's 30 points. And he took Joseph's life and put it through there and he said at 300 points, This says you're on the verge of a breakdown, and Joseph topped out a little over 450 points. His life's chaos. There's no peace. There's no peace in this man's life in any way. But peace is coming, and he's a part of it. But the peace that Jesus is bringing to this world is costly, and it's messy. And then finally, the angel comes to Joseph. And he has this conversation, it says, after he had been considering this. And he starts with these most helpful of words. Don't be afraid. Which always works. Right? There's nothing better when you're afraid than for somebody to come and say, well, stop it. Don't be afraid. 
Right? I don't know about you, if you're afraid of roller coasters or you're afraid of snakes or you're afraid of whatever, if you come to a spot and you go, well, I'm really afraid, and somebody goes, well, don't be afraid, that's probably the most useless help that there's, oh, okay, well, I just won't be afraid anymore. Useless advice based on nothing, unless the creator of the universe sent an angelic host to tell you that. Unless he who holds the power and the control of the whole universe in his hands is the one telling you not to be afraid. Unless the one who has absolute sovereignty over the world is the one who says, don't be afraid. It doesn't mean anything. But when he says it, it means everything. It's, I know what I'm doing, and I know where this is going. You don't need to be afraid. So after this dream and this revelation, Joseph wakes up, he's a new guy. Whole new guy. Says he got up, went and took her as his wife that day. It appears that it's that day. Immediately. He goes and takes her as his wife. Why? Because the Almighty has told me, one, I don't need to be afraid. Two, this is part of a plan. Three, I am being sustained and uplifted by God himself. This child, it says, is going to save his people from their sins. That's what I was told. He's going to be called God's with us. He's going to bring peace to this world, and I get to be a part of it. I am being an instrument in the bringing of peace into this world. I get to be part of that. And it's a whole new ballgame. Does it take away all the stress? No. Does it take away all the chaos? No. It was still pretty crazy. The gossip that went around, the marriage, all of that probably still didn't look anything like what he originally thought it was going to be. But he knows, I'm now being used as an instrument to help bring peace peace onto this whole world. But it wasn't that peaceful for him in the way that Jesus arrived. And you need to know peace does not come easy, and it doesn't come cheap. It doesn't come through might, and it doesn't come through power, but it comes through sacrifice. And that's one of the things that we all know. When something's that valuable, it has a cost to it. And so for the Prince of Peace to come and to bring peace to a whole world, there's a lot of messiness around it. Joseph and Mary dealt with a lot of that. There's strength in finding peace, but it's strength through sacrifice. That's the whole idea of what Jesus did. The incarnation itself is the idea of God coming in the flesh to among people who are at war with him so that he can bring peace to them at great cost. That's the reason that Jesus, the Son, left the throne of heaven and decided to come here into this world. It was the love that he had for us, to bring peace, to reconcile us back to our Heavenly Father, to reconcile this world. He's entering into an unpeaceful place with such a powerful meekness that the peace will overcome sin and rebellion and everything that holds us captive. You see, when peace personified entered this world, it was a dangerous and it was a scandalous thing. The light of the world entered and arrived in darkness of a cave. The king of heaven came and was laid in a manger. The most powerful force this earth, this earth had ever seen came in the form of the most vulnerable, a human child. And the one who called heaven his home was virtually homeless here on earth. The most innocent and the most pure person who ever came died the most violent and guilty of all deaths. Everything upside down. That's the cost of peace. 
That's what it took. That's why it's so valuable. That's the peace of Christ. Joseph got to be part of that. That peace comes from power under control. It was the lion being the lamb. And that's what led to peace. Joseph got to be an instrument of that peace. He got to help bring it to the world. We get to do the same thing. You need to know that's the same calling we have on our life. Is the peace that Christ brought is the peace that we now hold and we have. In the same way that Joseph held that child from the time that he was a little bitty, understanding this is who will bring peace to the world, we hold that as well. We have that. We've experienced that. He's brought peace to us. Those of us who follow and believe on who his favor rests, we have that peace, and we get to be part of that. We're part of a plan to bring God's peace to the whole world. We hold it in our hands. We have a calling from the Holy Spirit to not be afraid that we're part of the plan to bring God's shalom to the world. And you need to know with that, you have that in your hands, and you get to share that, but it's going to be costly at times. There's going to be times where it costs you. And in the same way, what it costs Christ is some of the things that it's going to cost us. It's going to cost sacrifice because peace is not something you find. It's something that God makes. As a matter of fact, that's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Because you don't make it. Christ makes it through you. We are the branch on which it's displayed. Colossians 3, 12 through 15 talks about this. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. I'm going to go down here. And patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let it rule. There's another translation that says, let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart, for you were in fact called as one body to this peace, and be thankful. Let it rule. Let it be in control. The peace of Christ being in control of your lives, and that's hard to do. That is hard for us. It doesn't always rule. We have a hard time with that. Sometimes what rules is the idea that we want to win. When there's not peace, maybe during this time of year you're getting together and you have that brother-in-law who you haven't talked to in a long time and he grates on you and you're having a hard time and you don't speak to each other. And you need to know that it's not about winning and it's not about being right. If you want to bring peace, there's going to be a cost. It's going to cost you. If you want peace to be there, it's going to have to be the peace of Christ that reigns and that rules in our hearts, not our own ego and not the idea of being right and not what they did. It's going to have to be on what is happening within me. And that means that there's a focus on us understanding what what Jesus did for us to bring peace. Parents understand this. For the most part, parents understand this cost, right? You start, go back and think about the prodigal son and the father. The idea of making peace with the son who left and now is coming back in some way, it costs somebody. It costs the father. It didn't cost the son. It cost the father. Remember his dignity? He hikes up his clothes and he goes and he runs. Everything else is out the window. I don't care what this looks like. It costs the fatted calf. It has the party. Everything. It costs the people going, why in the world would you welcome him back? 
Because this is how valuable this is to me. I'm making peace with someone that I love. This is not about winning, and it's not about being right. I'm going to make this peace with someone that I love because it's more important than winning, and it's more important than being right. But it's going to cost you. You need to know there's going to be a cost with that. Because peace doesn't come through might, but it comes through sacrifice. And if you've ever welcomed a child back, you know that. There's going to be some cost, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's not about more votes, and it's not about winning, and it's not about being right. And here's the deal. If you want to make peace with somebody, and first let me say this. I am not talking about going and making peace in a relationship that's abusive. Please hear me in that way. I don't want this to be misconstrued in any way. There are people that you don't need to go and have a relationship with again. There are people that have hurt you physically and have abused you, and you don't need to go back into that environment. Nobody's asking you to do that. That's not the piece we're talking about. It's not making up with somebody who hurts you. But I will tell you, when it comes to brothers and sisters here in Christ, when it comes to people that you've, you've got a little grudge against, when it comes to arguments that happen here, you need to know, for us to be able to go and make peace and let the peace of Christ rule in what's going on here, it's going to cost you something. And if you look at it and you go, well, I'm waiting for them because they need to decide and they need to change. And when they come and do this, I want you to look at the cross because that's not the kind of peace that he brought. I've just got to tell you, that's not how the peace of Christ works. Amen. We're called to something higher than that. We have the peace of Christ in us, and now we've got to let it rule. Let me tell you a story of how I saw this happen one time. This is one of the neatest stories I've experienced in my life. So I, I got a call about, gosh, 12 years ago from my brother-in-law who lives out in West Texas. He goes, hey, I got this situation, and I need your advice. And I was like, okay. So he lives out West Texas. He doesn't have a garage, but he's got a carport that's got the roof, but it doesn't have the walls and all of that. And he's got a freezer that he keeps out there in the carport. And he said, I got to tell you, about a month and a half ago, I start going, and when I open up the freezer, I've put all this food in there, and there's food gone. And so I go buy some more food, and I put it in there. Like I bought a whole bunch of steaks, and I bought a whole bunch of beef fajita and the beef will be gone. It's just gone. Not the chicken, not the vegetables. Nobody wants the vegetable medley, right? <laughs> the beef's gone. So I go buy some more, and I put it out there, and then it's gone, just the beef. He finally decided that maybe there's some animal. There's a raccoon with a discerning taste <laughs> that doesn't want chicken, but only wants beef. So I can't figure it out. As a matter of fact, I finally put a lock on it with a padlock on the freezer, and then I come out, and when I bought some more stuff, the next day I go out, beef's gone. Like, what? Lock's still on there. It's like it vaporized, was beamed out. He goes, the bad thing is I'm gone all the time, and my, my wife is there alone. i got to figure out what's going on. So he gets a camera that's motion activated. And he goes out of town, and he comes back, and some beef's gone. Not the chicken, not the vegetables, the beef's gone. And so he goes to the, to the camera footage, and he looks. And what he sees is in the middle of the night, his neighbor coming over, getting a screwdriver, taking off the latch that holds the padlock on, opening it up, digging through, finding the beef, taking it, putting it back on, puts the lock on, and leaves. Now, here's the interesting thing. He knows this neighbor, kind of. He knows about him. This neighbor is six foot seven and weighs about 300 pounds and is known for dealing meth in town. And he's coming into his garage and he's taking food out of there. 
the beef. And he's like, man, I don't know what to do. i got to figure out what to do about this. So what he did was he called the, the local sheriff deputy, and he says, hey, I need your help. There's this guy, and he keeps coming into my carport, and he goes through my refrigerator and takes some of the food. And the sheriff said, well, there's really not a big uh, uh, crime being committed here because he's not actually breaking and entering because it's carport. He doesn't go within some walls. He just comes in there. It would be minor theft. And he said, I know this guy. Do you want to go to war with this guy? Is that something you want to do? And so he says that, well, I want you to talk to him. So he comes around, and, and the sheriff tells him, okay, look, I'm going to go up here to the front door. If you would stand over here and keep an eye out the back because... I'm afraid if, if he runs, you can tell me, but I'm scared to death. If I have to fight him, I'm going to have to shoot him because he's huge. He's going to hurt me. This is what's going on. I'm like, okay. So the sheriff goes around there, and he comes back a few minutes later, and he tells my brother-in-law, he goes, yeah, he, he just said he's hungry. He said he doesn't have any food. His family's cut him off, and he's hungry. And so he came over, and he took it, and he says he's sorry. So my brother-in-law is talking to me on the phone, and he goes, man, I don't know what to do. What do you think I ought to do? And I was like, oh, you know what I'm about to tell you. He's like, dadgummit, I know what you're about to tell me. I got to go buy him groceries, don't I? I go, yeah, you got to go buy him groceries. See, that's, that's the peace of Christ reigning. You want to make peace with your neighbor, with a scary guy? There's going to come a cost. And I don't just mean the cost of buying the beef at the store. I mean, of having somebody who's a violent person who lives next door to you, and you're going to have to make this peace. There's going to come a cost to this. So he tells me later, he calls me back, and he goes, I went and bought some groceries, and I came up, and I knocked on the door, and the guy opened the door, and I go, I've got some groceries for you. It's all beef, no chicken, no vegetables, right? <laughs> and he goes, I got, I got this food for you. And the guy just teared up, and he goes, I can't believe of all people, you want to bring me food. <laughs> this is my brother-in-law. I don't want to bring you food. <laughs> But I follow Jesus, dadgummit, and this is what I have to do. <laughs> so he handed him the groceries. And about a week or two later, he brought him some more groceries. And that time they sat out on the front porch and they talked for a little while. And after a little bit of time, they became friends. And then one day as they sat out there, the neighbor told him, I sat over here as you had your Christmas party one night, and I heard you with all of your friends. And he said, I sat over here with a weapon trying to make a really hard decision. And I want you to have this bullet because I don't need it anymore. And then they became friends. And then my brother-in-law, Kendall, baptized Kent into Christ months later. And then he watched Kent baptize his father and the rest of his family because they reconciled and peace was made there. And then they all reconciled to Christ. That's making peace while you let Christ's peace rule in your hearts. Most of the time, we don't let Christ's peace rule in our hearts. What we do is we shift and we go, I don't deserve this. This is what he deserves. This is what should happen. And yeah, a lot of times you can get into deserve, but then you miss out on what happens when the peace of Christ actually comes into this world. Because miracles happen. Reconciliation happens. Amazing things happen. Now, it's not always going to work out that way. But what we hold in our hands, what we have is just as amazing as what Joseph did. The Prince of Peace, we have it. We get to share it with the world. You have been blessed instrumentally with the peace of Christ. And by instrumentally, I mean you have been given it so that you may use it throughout the rest of this world. We get to bring peace to the places that we go. There will be a cost. Oh, but you ought to see what God does.
when the peace of Christ comes. It's an amazing thing. Our call is no different than really what Joseph had. To bear and to hold and to have and to share with the rest of the world the peace of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. We're going to take some time now and we're going to pray together. Uh, we've done this before where you have some time to pray. And I want to tell you, I've, I've heard even this morning just some stories of peace being, uh, reconciliation happening and peace coming in people's families. I love that. You may have a place where you're looking. I'm looking for this peace to come. I want the peace of Christ to rule and reign in my heart. I want us to be able to work this out. I need this peace. I want you to take time to pray with each other. I want you to, if you need to, sit and pray at your chair. If you'd like to pray with one of the elders or the ministers, we're going to be around here. We're going to take some time, and we're going to pray over this, and we're going to take some time to pray for peace. There will be a few songs played while that happens. But if you would, in the meantime, if you would please stand with me, we're going to close out by reading a, a famous prayer. This is the peace prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And you're going to recognize some of the words from this. May this be our prayer together as people. If you would join with me, we're going to read this together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a blessing to have the peace of Christ in our life. We want it to reign. We want it to rule. We want it to take over our hearts. We want it to control uh, the things that we do and the way that we move. And so, Lord, we ask that in that we focus on the great cost of peace to come to us, that we focus on the love that it took for, uh, for Jesus to exit the throne of glory in heaven and to come down here to a place that so desperately needs peace and to come and save us. We know the cost of our peace is a cross and it's an empty tomb. We want to take that and, Lord, we want to share that with the rest of the world. So we ask, make us instruments of peace in this place. Let this flow through us. Let it be something that uh, in every way we try to increase on this earth the peace that you have given us. And it's through the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.